one of the spiritual fathers of Afropop worldwide, has joined the ancestors. After an extraordinarily rich and full life, Dr. Robert Ferris Thompson, or as he preferred to be called, T, passed away on November 29, 2021, at the age of 88. Through his books, lectures, and mentorship, Master T revolutionized the study of African art and culture, beginning in the 1950s, and he inspired generations of students and scholars. While his academic discipline was art history, music was central to his conception. The following program was produced to accompany the book Tango, The Art History of Love, and originally aired in 2005. We present it today in Loving Memory. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Today, Afropop Worldwide Hip Deep presents a tango with Robert Ferris Thompson, a unique conversation with one of our longtime Afropop Worldwide mentors about the music that inspired his book, Tango, The Art History of Love, published by Pantheon. But today, it takes three to tango. Three to tango, three to tango. So, let me welcome to the microphone our occasional hip-deep second banana, the author of Cuba and its music, from the first drums to the mambo, Ned Sublet. Hello, Georges. That's hey. quite a cream-colored cummerbund you have on today. Well, it's a lot of work to stay one Jean-Paul sartorial step ahead of you, Ned. Hey, your tango threads are quite uh, striking, I must say. Yes, I've been practicing my steps. All right, Ned. I hear you paid a visit to Yale University. Indeed, I did. I drove up from Manhattan to New Haven to hang out with one of my authentic heroes, uh-huh. Robert Ferris Thompson, or as they affectionately call him at Yale, Master T. Yeah, the renowned author, scholar, and educator. His official title is Colonel John Trumbull, professor of the history of art at Yale University. Robert Ferris Thompson gave us some powerful tools to understand the complexity and omnipresence of African culture through his decades of teaching and through his books, which include African Art in Motion and Flash of the Spirit. We'll talk to Professor Thompson about tango and mambo and a few other things in just a moment. But first, you know, we'd like to stay on the dance floor as long as possible, so let's start off with some music, and we might as well get right to the great Astor Piazzolla. This is one of his early recordings. From 1947, and very modern sounding. Here is El Piete. Thank you. 
Astor Piazzolla from 1947 with the Graciano de Leone composition El Piete. Georges Collinet and Ned Sublet with you and we're hip deep. Today, a tango with Robert Farris Thompson on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Now, Ned, Professor Thompson grew up in a unique American city. So I asked him, how did you get from El Paso to Congo? Well, it dates exactly to the first week of March in 1950. I'd been hungry to see Mexico City. And finally, my parents decided we'd take a spring break vacation of a week in Mexico. So we arrive, and they're tired from the plane, and my sister's tired. They crash. They couldn't wait to savor this teeming center of Latin American culture. So I just walked right out of the hotel, turned right on Avenida Juarez, and walked and walked till I got to Socalo. There was this huge building that intrigued me. I had no idea what it was. Across the plaza, and there was a man standing by the door, and I said, ¿Cuál es el edificio? What's this building? He said, Es el Palacio Nacional. It's the National Palace. Y si tienes suerte, podrás verlo adentro. I said, wow. He's saying, and if you're very lucky and go in, you may see him. And I thought, him? So, boom, I went right in, mounted the stairs, and there was Diego Rivera painting, just like the scene in uh, the movie on his wife, painting up there on a scaffolding, painting Aztec cities emerging from the waters of Lake Texcoco. And I was blown away. And then he noticed me staring at him. And he shot me this, what are you looking at, kid? Look. So I answered with a smile that I hope translated, algo sublime, senor, something sublime, sir. I stagger back to the hotel, get in the elevator, and I'm alone in the elevator with Anthony Quinn. And he starts rapping. And I, I said, Mr. Quinn, what are you here? He said, I'm doing the Brave Bulls. It's a movie about bullfighting. Boom, he disappeared. And then I staggered back to my room. I realized I've seen two celebrities in 45 minutes and wandered down to the dining hall and the muzak was going strong and it was bong, king, 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 bong, king, 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 bong, king, 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 bong, king, king, king. And I asked this woman, I said, what's that? She said, mambo. That was it. I was locked in. As soon as I got back to El Paso, I crossed the Rio Bravo, went to Ciudad Juarez, stoked up on 78 shellacs by Perez Prado, and I have been chasing the Mambo beat ever since. And then later, when I was in the draft in the United States Army, I had a buddy photograph me on Mexican soil between the Juarez Mountains and the Franklin Mountains, and I'm on a Mexican hill, and I have three LPs in my hand with the black face of Perez Prado. I somehow just wanted to be remembered with those LPs, but what I was doing unconsciously was swearing fealty forever to the cause of Latino music, black Latino music. The idea is that I see myself as a medium, under the possession metaphor, perhaps. I just got possessed by the black beat. And I just kept writing this mambo book, and it kept going through fissions, and it split off the part about the indelible timelines of West Africa and Central Africa that feed over through the clave beat over here, that stuff hived off and became African art in motion. 
And then I had another attempt to write the first chapter of the Mambo book, and then I got seized in a thing called Aesthetic of the Cool. So what has happened in my life is I have been eternally writing this Mambo book, which then, like a glacier or something, breaks off or floats away, becomes something else. Well, even this Tango book that I've just done has got stuff that dates back to the Mambo research. So now, finally, at the age of 73, I'm sitting down, I honest to God, am writing the Mambo book. But everything reflects that. Mambo became my ruling obsession, put it that way. When movies went from silent to sound, tango was already popular worldwide and it was there at the birth of the talkies. The first sound film made in Argentina in 1933 was called Tango. There were plenty of tangos in movies in English, but in Spanish the tango film was a whole genre of its own. And if you lived in El Paso in 1950, you could easily go to Tangolandia, just pop across the river to a Mexican movie palace. That's where I saw that predicted my love of tango because I used to cross the border and go to the Cine Plaza in Juarez and there would be Biggest Life, the great tango singer, Libertad Lamarque, singing tangos with uh, Negrete and other Mexican stars. Well, and what about the most famous tango singer ever? The star of records and movies? Carlos Gardel, who grew up in the Buenos Aires barrio of Abasto. He died in an aviation accident, not in the air, but in a runway collision in Medellin, Colombia, on June 24, 1935. Robert Ferris Thompson says that Gardel's image is still everywhere in Buenos Aires. Gardel, you cannot escape him. He is an icon and el símbolo de la Argentina. If you're coming in from the airport, there on Entre Rios is this gorgeous big portrait of him. Then if you go to Abasto, He's graffitized everywhere. Gardel stares at you from a tenement. Gardel stares at you from above a store. But the Lollapalooza, the great Uruguayan painter of black traditions, uh, Bilaro, painted for Argentina the seven-story-high mural of Gardel. And he painted in blue, the color of heaven, painted his lips black so to accentuate the smile that's floating over all the traffic like the original Cheshire Cat smile. And then he has the river plate flow through his body, and Maradona's playing soccer on this line, and uh, Ireneo Leguizamo, a great jockey that was a friend of Gardel, saw his love of horses and the turf and his love of soccer, and people are tangoing. And to me, that massive mural uh, is saying Gardel's back, and he's challenging you. You want to know the secret of my city? Hear my music. If you want to know my music, see the dance. You want to know the dance, study the dance hall. If you want to study the dance hall, notice that the floors are checkerboard, black and white, Moorish-like pattern. Notice that the tablecloths are diamonded patterns too, echoing the floor. Notice the food we have, which comes from the cowboys, the asado, comes from, ultimately from the Moors, the alfajor, from the Arabic word alfahua, meaning honeycomb. So Gardel is very much alive. He's visually alive. He's spiritually alive. His style is echoed in umpty-ump vocal styles. Here's Carlos Gardel. 
Rociado por la luna, humor de milonga, es toda tu fortuna. Hay un cuello que resonga en la cortada mitonga, mientras que una pebeta, linda como una flor, eh, vera coqueta bajo la quieta luz de un Barrio, barrio, que tenés el alma inquieta de un gorrión ser libertad. ruego, es todo el barrio manejo melodía de arrabar. Viejo barrio, perdona si al evocarte se me pierda un lagrimón. Rodaré en tu eres pedrao, es un beso prolongado que te da mi corazón. Una de taitas y cantores, de broncas y entreveros de todos mis amores. En tus muros con mi acero, yo grabé nombres que quiero. Rosa, la milonguita, era rubia amargo y en la primer cita la paicarrita me dio su amor barrio barrio que tenés el alma inquieta de un gorrión sentimental pena ruego es todo el barrio manejo melodía de arrabar viejo barrio perdona si al evocarte se me pierda un lagrimón que al rodar en tu empedrao es un beso prolongado que te da mi corazón. The Immortal Carlos Gardel. We're talking today with Robert Ferris Thompson about his new book, Tango, The Art History of Love. Now, you might ask, why tango on Afropop Worldwide? Because we'll hear about Afropop. Hello, we're Afro. And Argentina has a very small black population. But there's something very black about tango. Statistically, Argentina seems to be white. There are about two to 3,000 Afro-Argentines, a cadre, lost in the sea of eight million white faces. But there's a truth above statistics. The greatest arguably living composer, musician, pianist is Horacio Salgan, very much alive at the age of 88, and he's black. The greatest b-boy, that is to say, break dancer uh, in, in Buenos Aires today is Lucas Alvarez, and he is black. The greatest dancer um, and mixer of styles, boogie with a little of tango and milonga with a little of jazz dance is Carlos El Negro Ansuate. And the woman who presides at the epicenter, Sundalan Club, at their Saturday night shindig, she has her own table, she sits there like a queen. She's the madrina of this most important tango dance hall, and she's black. 
point is that it's numerically small, but culturally impact big. That is outwardly vanished, but inwardly present. And I've been able to go to the site of the Shimmy Club. Hmm. The Shimmy Club, founded in 1922, it lasted until 1974. Now, you know that if Afro-Argentines call their hangout place the Shimmy Club, they're telling us something. And what they're telling us is that they are multiple blacks, that they, they love jazz dance, dance to boogie and shimmy, etc. And the Shimmy Club, which was right smack in the middle of downtown Buenos Aires, was a place that had two dance halls, one on the first floor where they danced jazz and tango and milonga and paso doble and a little mambo, and a basement where at midnight, if you weren't black, you were politely asked to leave. And after midnight, which in Congo terms is when the world is wheeling, we're now wheeling is the world of our ancestors, they would dance candombe. And in the shimmy club, after midnight, one of the reasons they wanted the whites out is that the candombe drums were brought out, they would dance candombe, and there was spirit possession. Spirits from the past came back. As we say in New Orleans, those saints came marching in. Can you explain what candombe is? Yes, oh, sure. Ka, classical Kekongo. Ka, K-A, pertaining to, plus ndombe, black person or black people. Candombe is, again, transnational. It's not just a Uruguayan and Argentine term. It is a black nationalist term in Congo itself. In the 40s, when guys were plotting, how can we get rid of the Belgians? They called their group Candombe, which means all that we are as blacks. Georges Collinet with you, together with Ned Sablet on Afropop Worldwide's Hip Deep. Today, a tango with Robert Ferris Thompson, the scholar, educator, and author of Tango, the Art History of Love. Now, Candombe is an African drum tradition, but the tango is played entirely with European instruments. That is where we overturn one of the assumptions that we're really talking about a purely European thing. Uh, yes, the instruments were, because in the city, which where blacks were outnumbered, and there's a lot of cultural prejudice, it was okay as long as they were playing, you know, bona fide instruments. But if they started whipping out candombe drums or scratchers. Now, the guitar, of course, is critical to the history of tango because that's the rhythm producer. And when I did a list of as many black musicians I could find, and the greatest number were guitarists. Now, what does that tell us? This is not my insight. I was reminded of this by Pablo Aslan, who's one of the leading tangueros of New York. And Pablo pointed out to me, he said, look what you got here, all these guitarists. You know what this means. This means that they were rhythm producers. They were feeding habanera, but putting a little gravy on it. Habanera is the name of the underlying rhythm. The name habanera tells you that it comes from Havana. Of course, that was just its jumping-off point, because Havana was the great central port of the hemisphere. And as to where the rhythm itself comes from... Havanera was a transnational beat. I was told in Congo that when things are a little sluggish, uh, someone gets out on the bass drum. This is technically called Mbila Amakinu, the call to the dance. That rhythm is not only part of tango, 
It's still floating around in the Antilles today. In reggaeton, for example. You can hear the habanera rhythm in New Orleans composer Louis Moreau Gottschalk's Bambula, composed in 1844 or 1845. How did the habanera get from Havana to Buenos Aires in the 19th century? Multiple channels of transmission. I can give you at least three. Number one, sheet music. So habaneras went out via this printed form. They could turn up anywhere. Secondly, mimesis of Madrilinian vogue. The habanera came to Madrid in the 1850s, where it became a big hit. When the zarzuelas are cooked up, the light opera zarzuelas and so forth, the sainet, whatever, they come from Madrid to the stage of Buenos Aires, and that's another level. It's seen on the stage. But the killer are black Cuban sailors sailing south, this is later, and they landed in Montevideo, and believe it or not, there are marching groups listed and documented on the streets of Montevideo, Los Pobres Cubanos, Los Esclavos Habaneros, and so forth. At least three or four of them. I have the whole list and the dates of their appearance. Black Cuban sailors. But at any rate, sheet music, bouncing off Madrid and then back, and finally the killer. But there's yet another the Sarsuelinos, named after Sarsuelas, a Spanish light opera. These were sailors that got on their boats in Cadiz and then sailed to the Canary Islands and then sailed to Fortaleza and Pernambuco and Bahia, Rio de Janeiro, Montevideo, Buenos Aires. And can you imagine these sailors hanging out in all these dance-mad towns? The women invite them into these open-air parties, and they were the head of the town, the Sarsuelinos. Now, I've never heard a mention of Habanera with them. Just all I have in the data is that they brought finesse in dancing with them. But they probably were a source, too. The Habanera didn't just radiate to Argentina. It came to the United States, too. That's one of the best-known American standards, St. Louis Blues, played in a 1922 recording under the direction of W.C. Handy, the song's composer. Handy never went to Argentina, but he spent time in Havana in 1900. He wrote the habanera rhythm into his two best-known compositions, the 1912 Memphis Blues and the 1914 St. Louis Blues, just in time for the big tango boom in the United States. Now, it's interesting that uh, W.C. Handy, when he talked about it in a letter to Downbeat in 1952, he called it the call of the blood. He sent goose pimples up. Because Handy was plugged into something. He did not just say, oh, this is a tango beat. He said, tangana. We're still working and trying to figure out how that absolutely Kikongo word for walk that walk. Walk that walk. In New Orleans in 1786, responding to a noise complaint, an edict from the Spanish governor of Louisiana used the word tangos to refer to black dancing. The word tango is its more than a word. It's a semantic spectrum. It's a semantic range. And on both sides of the Atlantic, it means a dance, a place of dance. The people who dance it, the beat of the dance, and many other things. And on the Atlantic side, on the crossing of the Atlantic, you have tanga, 
the funeral, the dance, the drum, Matanga, the second funeral, the dance, the drum. But it's more complex than that. The word for sun, the, our nearest star, is ntangu. It's also the word for time, like ntangu zazu, forever and ever, like multiple suns. And this term, ntangu, may well also have fed the emergence of the Creole term. And someone would say, what in the hell does the sun have to do with the dance in Congo, everything? The sign of the sun, the Nzila Jaintangu, is a counterclockwise circle. Danced in, we're trying to tell us something, conga lines. We're not talking about a single little feeble thread coming from Congo. We're talking about a coaxial cable, baby. The full conversation between Professor Robert Ferris Thompson and Afropop Worldwide Hip Deep's own Net Sublet is available, along with lots more goodies, on our beautiful website, afropop.org. Don't go away or you'll miss the milonga. I'm Georges Collinet and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. All right, I'm here with Ned Sublette. And we're talking to Robert Ferris Thompson, author of Tango, The Art History of Love, published by Pantheon. And we're listening to a milonga right now. So what's a milonga, you ask? Back around 1642, the Portuguese authorities in Luanda wrote back to Lisbon. We were having trouble with this uppity queen, Zinga, and she is making milonga against us, meaning messages meaning messages of defiance, meaning, uh, and this is way back, this is the 1640s. That term was already that famous. If you had any contact with Angola, you had contact with the term milonga. As well, you might, because in Kimbundu, it means argument, lawsuit, conversation. It Which is also one of the meanings of mambo, right? Yes, yes. And of course, so many of our dances have to do with argument. Mambu can mean argument, milonga can mean argument. And then in Congo, milonga is a plural of a word, longa, which means line. So milonga is a dance where you're forming lines. And that's of course fits it too. So you've got this choreographic possible root and then you have this distinct powerful root, well-documented, meaning argument. Back to your question, what is milonga? Milonga is the quickest way to indicate the blackness of tango because it is the beat like ragtime just before jazz, milonga just before tango. But all tango dancers of today, if they want to really show off how good they are, they have a special little milonga routine. Why? For the same reason that Horace Silver would go back to the blues or go back to church music to show where he came from, to show that he knows where he's coming from and therefore he will know where he's going. So the use of milonga in tango is, to me, is very much like the use of blues as a truth-seeking device in jazz. Milonga is happy. Milonga is full of riffs. 
When I asked that question to a lot of tangueros, what is the difference entre tango and milonga? What's the difference? And they said, well, tango, you know, it's often melancholic, uh, thoughtful, meditative. Uh, milonga is happy, upbeat. Milonga is fast. But most of all, milonga is repetitions. It's riff-oriented. So when you're dancing tango, you may go through all kinds of smooth transitions. You're dancing milonga, if you hit like the pivorita, the little snake, and you, not one, not two, not three, four, five repetitions of it. You're savoring it for the riffiness of it. Here's Aníbal Troilo with a famous milonga from 1962, La Trampera. Nibal Troilo with La Trampera. Okay, that's a milonga. But there is one more very important tango word I want to hit you with before we move on. Cañengue. (laughs) 
Panjinga refers technically to the style of tango as it was danced during the first decade, 1900-1910. And what is the difference between Canyenga and tango today? Number one, tango liso or tango de salon, the smoothed out or the salon style, erect back, coming straight out of flamenco or coming out of the straight back of court dancing in Europe since Renaissance time. That all gets erased in Kanyenge. What is Kanyenge dance-wise? It is position one in Africa. Feet flat on the ground, knees really bent and flexible. Torso way forward, butt way out, face stone cool. I can give you a precise visual document, 1911, in a journal called Pebete. And it shows a white dancing with a woman. I think she's white, although her style is definitely black. And he's straight up, straight as a ruler. And she is so bent into African position one that her face and her chest fall into his chest. Now, as time goes on, both do this and they fall into each other, which is interesting because it spiritually is appropriate to melt into your partner since Kanjinge literally means melt, melt into the music. Kuyenga, to melt in Kikongo, Kanyenget, melt into the music. Semicolon, you are melted by age, you're old. Kanjenge in music is like the term duende in flamenco, like the term salank in the folk music of Catalonia. Salank in Catalan, duende in Spanish, swing in U.S. jazz parlance all of the above. Kanjinge means you know how to swing, you've got the flavor, you're culturally appropriate. And the first historical notice, well, one of the first, uh, Canaro, the great orchestra leader, Canaro had a black, I call him the Cachao of tango, a big, powerful black bassist. And his name was Ruperto Thompson. <laughs> Easy for me to remember his name. And Ruperto was famed for introducing, drumming the side of his bass, and also striking, sometimes drumming the strings. And he started the tradition of canyenge, that is the drumizing or turning melodic instruments into percussion instruments. And that is canyenge. When percussion begins to dominate at highly sophisticated levels, which is one of the definitions of swing, then you've got kanjenge. If you dance with a kind of rhythmic flair, you have kanjenge. Now here's one of the classic tangos kanjenge by the band leader who brought the piano into the tango ensemble, Roberto Firpo.
Recorded in 1927, that's Julio de Caro's Tierra Querida. Romp. Oh, I like it when they make that sound. On the four. That's called the arrastre, the drag. Now you learned that from Professor Thompson's book, didn't you? Yep. The arrastre, he says, seems to have come from the gauchos, many of whom were black, who waged dance battles that had the very Congo name of Malambo. One of the main currents flowing into the formation of tango is out-of-work cowboys, gauchos, when their cattle range was plowed and fenced, they came by the thousands to Buenos Aires seeking work. They brought with them their dance styles, including the arrastre, the blurring of notes together so that they become sort of a percussion, like a drum roll. The arrastre they brought, they brought finger-popping, they brought taconeo. The country dances of Argentina are very interesting rhythmically, like the dance they call the gato. In a moment, but first, funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Well, I'm here with Ned Sublet, and we're talking to Robert Faris Thompson, author of Tango, The Art History of Love. Well, I was intrigued by the subtitle of his book. I asked him about it. The art history of love? Well, the subtitle means that you can't have tango without love. You can't learn the 50-odd, 70-odd, 80-odd, God knows how many steps there are unless you love what you're doing. So it is a history of love as an essence of creativity. That's one meaning. Tango is a wonderful analog for showing respect. Like for example, you can show love in just the way you take the hand of the woman. I'll give you another example of tango as love. Cut, we're in a dance hall. A young girl comes in, it's her first tango lesson. She comes from the world of rock. She's danced apart for all her 19 years. She does her first tango step and bursts into tears. And the instructors who told me this said, why are you crying, Juan? I said, I've never been held like this before. You know, the amorousness of the tango embrace. And that embrace, tango, why is it the art history of love? Because the first tango step is not a step. In contrast to rock, whomp, whomp, you get out there and you get it on immediately, whomp, whomp. In contrast to that, in tango, you get out there and you quietly embrace like almost the making of encaig masonry where the stones would fit seamlessly till you really feel the tightness you're just right with it and then you dance and I asked a woman why do you guys not do anything for several beats she said because we are getting the embrace so that we fit perfectly and we're listening so that we will fit into the climate of the music okay pair up everybody and get that embrace set nice and tight as we step out onto the dance floor and move to the music of the late Roberto Goyeneche. Mm-hmm. 
charquito se te enreda Como un bichito de luz entre los cascos Mi mala cara sueña, no te apures Que llegar por llegar lo mismo da Hace tiempo cuando todo era más joven Trotábamos juntitos Mi mala cara y yo Pero había tras la loma una esperanza Y dos trenzas y un amor para los Ahora ya no hay nada mala cara Y es inútil que apures tu trotuar Un rancho con estrellas en la puerta Es el cielo que te espera al regreso. Hace tiempo, cuando todo era más joven, te dotábamos juntitos, mi mala cara y yo. Pero había tras la loma una esperanza y dos trenzas y un amor
Osvaldo Pugliese with Malandraca. One of the all-time tango classics, recorded May 31st, 1949. And before that, Roberto Goyeneche with Mi Malacara y Yo. Georges Collinet. And Ned Sublet. On Afropop Worldwide's Ipti. Well, unfortunately, our time is growing short, but there's something we have to play. We started out with early Piazzola. We're going to finish with mature Piazzola. Aster Piazzola, who died in 1992. He was a tremendous bandionista. That is, a player of the bandoneon, the lead instrument in the tango ensemble. A bandoneon is the soul of tango. Bandoneon is a accordion-like device, except unlike the accordion, you do not see the keys, you have to feel them. It is really braille writing in music. You must feel the buttons that are on either side, which you cannot see. Very complex. Playing a bandoneon with all those buttons is like flying a jet instrumentation panel thereof. And not only that, as if that weren't complex enough, there's a certain type of bandoneon that whether you're exhaling air or bringing it in, pushing or pulling, get two notes with each button. And think of how complex that is. But Astor Piazzolla was more than a great bandoneonista and bandleader. He was a composer. His work met the highest musical standards, and it was popular. Piazzolla is the final epiphany. Piazzolla is all of the tendencies brought together. There was always a promise that tango and jazz would meet. And why? Because in the tango dance halls, the bands would play a tango, then a milonga, then a waltz, but also a little ragtime. What caused him to play with the national symbol, and he got a lot of static for it, but he triumphed. One was that he was desperate to be a composer. wanted to be a classical composer, but he loved to play tango. When he got to Paris, he was lucky enough to win a scholarship with Nadia Boulanger. And she had worked with Ravel, and she trained uh, Aaron Copeland. And so she listened to his classical stuff, and he was very polite. She didn't say anything. She said, but what do you do for a living with music? And then he played Triunfal, one of his early compositions. She grabbed him by the hand. Now that's the real Astor Piazzolla. And so Piazzolla proves that there's nothing more stupid than that saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Because in the black world, you say, we'll buy two cakes. Astor Piazzolla composed more than a thousand pieces. And more than one masterpiece. But this one stands out. Tangedia Tres.
recorded in 1986. On a wonderful album produced by Kip Hanrahan called Tango Zero Hour. That's Astro Piazzolla with Tangedia Tres. And don't forget, Ned's complete conversation with Robert Farris Thompson is up there on Mr. Website, afropop.org. Thank you, Robert Farris Thompson. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces the program for World Music Productions, co production and research for this hip deep program by Ned Sublet, the Tango King. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones, and our interview with Robert Ferris Thompson was recorded by Phil Carney at Yale University. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan. Our senior editor for Afropop.org is Banning Air. I'm Ned Sublet. And I'm Georges Collinet.